It is Saturday the 14th of November 2020 and this is episode 386 of Digital Outbox. Welcome along to another episode. I am Chris and Ian is here as ever. Hello, Ian, on a Saturday afternoon. Oh, a morning. Saturday morning. Good morning, Chris. It's still, we've been doing this now for like, I think it's the fourth or fifth we've done in the morning. It's still, it's like, it's like 10 years of saying good evening. Yep. Is, is not landed. It's not landed yet. But yeah, um, it's been quite a, quite, quite a few, I guess it's been a few weeks since we last spoke out into the ether three weeks until we last spoke out into the ether and lots has been going on um well i felt we'll start yeah i, I felt we had to wait till there's at least some positive news and this week we've had <laughs> we've had a hat trick of positive news there's a vaccine cummings yes. is gone ding dong the witch is dead and scotland have qualified for a a, a a major football tournament for the first time in 24 years which was got me super excited this week it was that was really good uh, and theoretically we've got a new um president elect but <laughs> we'll wait and see how I'm, that one plays I'm, out I'm, I'm, i've i've just assumed that was from two weeks ago <laughs> that was my hat trick of good news this week I'm just, he's he's done, he's uh, done. I, the um uh, and, and this is totally off topic and i don't know why i'm even saying but yeah cummings is there's rumors around today that 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 was a, quite a lot of theater but actually they're still going to be very truly in the background there um, I, I think there's theater there the whole see that whole box it was too, it was I put too that theatrical. Twitter yesterday it's like this yeah. is for sure yeah, because because yeah. then there was a little bit that says he'll now work from home to see his notice, yes. and it's yeah. like so who, who does that? So so it's, it's, it's so he's not left. Yeah. He's, anyway, uh, totally off topic, but yeah, interesting. It'd be interesting to listen back at some point if we, if that's true or not. Um, anyway, um, we've got uh, UK are going to ban uh, mobile networks from being able to sell locked phones. Um, however, that's not happening until the end of next year. So it's, they've got 12 months, the industry, to kind of respond to that requirement. Uh, Ofcom saying that basically the process is blocking people being able to switch, switch networks to enable sort of market and, and competition. Uh, and even though there are processes in place where people can unlock their phones, oftentimes the reality of doing that, it ends up being quite complicated and time consuming and you know prevents people from doing what they want to do with their phones. So Ofcom are saying... Uh, we're going to stop that practice and some some mobile phones are already saying well we do that anyway uh, others are saying fine we'll work out how we can work alongside um, they are warning that that locking their handsets can often prevent fraud um, being used on handsets and I guess things like they would argue about burner phones and stuff like that which is you know when they know who someone is and they're on their network they have more control and whether that plays out or whether that actually is an unfounded um, worry, I guess we won't know until after 2021. Um, yeah, for me, it's about time. I've always hated... Uh, it's one of the reasons why, you know, the Apple, I just bought the phone outright. You know, it's like... And I know it's a bit of a kind of luxury position to be in just to walk in and slap a £1,000 yeah. down and buy a phone and not buy it through a, a, you know, a particular network. But I hated that locking idea. And then it's always hassle to get it unlocked and... You know, it's been with us. Made it easier, but 
yeah i mean it's been with us forever right as in that yeah. has been always the way and like you say it is a luxury to be able to go in and buy outright but um since we had all the kind of separation of cost of phone from contracts and all that kind of stuff as well it makes sense that yeah um that that phones will become unlocked and and then it's up to the providers to send a network that actually works um you know whether it might break some deals i guess and that's that's the whole thing apple used to you know used to get big deals with um uh who was it they started with it was bt i can't even remember now it's a long time ago i think it was bt and and for a while they've been doing things first with ee so it was mm. like so i think was it bt was it was it bt was the only one or o2 was the only one i think that did visual voicemail originally that's right yeah and the rest didn't um, oh, it was o2 I, wasn't it it was definitely it was o2 yeah, yeah. and and i so i remember like shack visual voice was a big thing for him yeah mm. an absolute it was like uh, he would get angry if he couldn't get his visual voicemail for his <laughs> one message a month. And um, <laughs> But it was a thing. It was like a mental thing around visual voicemail. Um, but there was like EE, I think, were the first to do like the phone offering. As, you know, not the phone, the watch. You know, so doing the, like, the kind of right. you know, yeah. the seller on the, on the watch. So, so there are certain things that I think Apple have. And I don't know if it's, again, whether it's companies willing to change their practices to what the Apple way, or did they do a financial deal to say <clears> it's going to be a combination of both? It was good for O2 at the beginning of that thing. I think it was AT and T, was it in America? I'm probably completely yeah. missing that. But I moved to O2, but just just purely because they supported. There you go. And you know? a lot of people did, so it was good yep. for their network, and it shows how powerful that can be, and therefore how much they're willing to probably bend their back to to have them on their their platform. It's an important thing. But anyway, yeah, that's uh, coming to an end, and uh, yeah. I think that's it's right. The the phone industry is mature enough now that I think that is the right decision from where I'm sat anyway. Um, we had a Senate debate uh, around Section two two hundred and thirty, and so in America, so we we wouldn't normally focus fully on American news, but this obviously has some pretty far-reaching consequences around the whole world, to be honest. So Section two hundred and thirty was around platforms having to take uh, responsibility for the content that their platforms delivered. And the reason that that was happening was because platforms were just saying, hey, we're just a delivery network and, and anything goes as far as that. Um, I guess the American government at the time thought that wasn't the right decision. But now this, because the platforms are now starting to censor um, and do the, the job that they were asked to do, um, now the the Senate, especially the the fact that it's a it was in the lead up to a, in a, you know an election and it's a it's, you know, it's a Republican Senate effectively. Uh, it was very anti the Section 230, and they they were kind of criticising these companies for implementing, um, you know, uh, censorship and and all the things that they wanted them to do. So it's yeah. kind of it, it kind of it, it got a little bit backward, and it was pretty partisan by all accounts. Well, so so two thought it should give a company immunity, and as you say, Republicans want want them to, so and we've seen like Facebook and Twitter particularly around poli- the, the the kind of political side of things starting to say, you know, marking tweets or taking down posts or hiding posts or shutting down particular groups. Mostly right wing has to be said. Um and the the Republicans want less of that and the Democrats want more of that. So they want the two thirty clause to be changed. So both want it changed. Yeah. But 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 changed differently. And as you say <laughs> It was a Republican-led debate, um, and it—I mean—the debate was was really poor quality. Again, you're just getting you're just getting politicians putting over political views rather than actually getting into the meat of some of the challenges around it. Um, maybe it's my political bias, you know, and I admit that 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 I felt the Democrats were trying to steer it into 
the I guess the right topics. Republicans mm -hmm. were very much uh and we saw it before when it, when we had the previous Senate debate when it was like, you know, why is why is my newsletter been you know, why did it not get to my you know, my, my wife or my father? And it's like, well, you know, probably because it's full of spam. You know, it's this this not it's not that somebody in Google sat and pressed a button and said, Stop that conservative leaflet going out. Um but there's a but we're, we're, we're you know, there's a real fight for what's fake right now in America and what's real. Yeah, it's amazing how much of a contentious topic <laughs> reality is, isn't it? It's it's scary. <laughs> it is, it is, I, I mean, we're, we're both chuckling, but I think I think it's a really scary topic right now. That because what what we're basically debating is um, people's ability to put up fake news, and when it gets taken down, it's getting seen as a conservative voice being you know throttled, and it's not. It's it's provably fact checked, and yeah, yeah. And all those we're trying to get back to this is real and this is not real. Um, so yeah, it's um, and it's interesting because it's like you saw Republican senators. This, they called the tech company. You know, the three companies that were there, what were they? So there was um, Twitter, Facebook, and I'll say Google rather than Alphabet, but it's Alphabet. Um, mm -hmm. They called the companies the single greatest threat to free speech in America. Um, yeah, I mean, and they've they've said all along, you know, Google and Twitter, and they've said we should not be the arbiter of what is and is not right. However, they have been asked to, and told that they have to do it because they've been made responsible for that content. So they are doing it in the way that they see fit. Uh, I, I think it's, it's you know, it's right that I think it, there probably should be a political regulator as far as then what what is and is not allowed because I think it will give clarity to a lot of people. But um, I, would, I would expect fact-checking has to, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, has to become surely fact-checking has to be part of that you can't just say things that are provably false yeah i i, I find it i find it but you know i never thought see when, I, see when i go back you know to the start of you know twitter and facebook and google which we've we've grown up through i never thought we'd get to the point where you'd have politicians saying that fact check and even the fact that you needed fact checking which we've kind of seen grow Certainly in the UK, around each of the elections, you know, I think yep. Channel Four were one of the first ones to actually almost, almost offer it as a fact-checking service. It's a day-to-day service. -day thing now. Yep. Yeah, you know, it's a fact-checking service to say which one of these politicians is, is telling the truth and how how much of the truth. Because we've all seen stats can be, you know, I can take a stat and you know alter it. But the fact that they're now saying, you know, that platforms fact-checking as censorship—that's what they felt was happening. Mm. Fact-checking is a form of censorship, and it's like wow. You know, a politician doesn't want facts to get out there. <clears throat> and I guess it just shows, you know, you can't just say what you feel. I guess it has to, and, that's, and I think that's what they're objecting to. They can't just say how they're feeling because they feel oppressed by that somehow, that yeah. they're, what they're saying should actually be uh, correct. And we've um, seen that, I mean, the, the election results in America right now. I mean, it's, it's, it's been proven, you know, there's been, I think, was it 16 or 18, you know, cases that Trump's now brought that he's lost. Each of them are pretty weak since the election. Um, you know, there's there's a whole all the Republicans running around saying you know illegal vote, no evidence of it. You know, they're showing binders on the screen again, binders full of look at all the evidence I've got, but nobody can see it. It goes to court and it's thrown out. Um, it is. It is it's just interference and and stall yeah. play. It's not. It's not. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that's for America to sort out, and hopefully they will. Uh, and unfortunately, we do say tie into that rather heavily in in the Western world. We do because the companies are all run at America, so exactly. so you know it's yeah. 
And then sort of following on from that, Parler has started to rank up in the App Store uh, rankings across Apple and Google. Uh, and Parler is a new social media platform that sort of effectively says, yes, you are free to say whatever the heck you like on our platform. And that's the what they run with. And uh, and, it, and, and a lot of um, people who have been deplatformed or have, have had their accounts shut down for being provably uh racist you know violent all the uh, kind of nasty you know harassing or just uh you know spouting lies um they are going over to parlor and asking users to follow them uh whether this is going to be a trend or whatever but you know depend you know a true free speech environment uh, quite often we see that they they do get shut down because again people say what they want to say and then it becomes a cesspit of um, issues and, and things it'll get into the media that this place exists and what how terrible things are being said and shared and um and, and moved around and then eventually that will get shut down and that's that's kind of i don't know if i was going to predict i think that's what will happen to parlor eventually is the the kind of clientele it's attracting uh, uh you know they've already been told that they can't do what they're doing now um so the chances are they'll get told the same thing uh, in future so yeah there's my prediction I don't think if Parler does truly not censor anything, then they will they will become unstuck just like every other uncensored environment does. Exactly, it's another fortune, you know. And, and and while these platforms, you know, you could argue are needed, there are certain things that you do need to you know have some control over. You know, we've talked about it before. We've probably you know stumbled through a bit of a debate, you know, back and forth between ourselves around it. Um, I I do believe in free speech, but not. So not some of the way people take it, you know. It's like, you know, you can't, you can't. You know, some of the, the the bullying, the sexism, and then all the other topics that are all quite unsavoury, we know, happen on the internet. You know, this could be a, a new home for it. Um, as you say, number one in, in the App Store rankings. Um, I've I've no intention of joining up. I know other people that have tried it, and you're just you're just given a list of basically right wing conservatives to go and follow as recommended. It is. It is a right wing network, and it's interesting that that not just Parler is is growing, but there's competitors now like Fox News in America mm. that are because Fox News isn't right wing enough. Yeah, it's 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 a strange strange world that 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 we're in. Um, I, I agree with you. I just think at some point this will end up being censored in the same you know the the, the same way. It won't I think it's be... inevitable because the middle ground will need that some of that control, and you know. It, you know yeah both both sides have their extremes um but you know we have uncovered quite there's an ugly side to our world still that gets hidden up and and every now and again it bubbles up and and that's what i think we're living through at the moment i also think um also think it helps with the whole um we, we, we talked right at the start around the show of things i hope this 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 helps with the show Round that the conservative voice has been censored. The fact that they're all saying, "Don't you know? Don't follow you know." I'm in parlour now. Come and follow me here because I'm about to get thrown off Twitter and Facebook. Even though yeah. there's you know for a lot of the conservative voices and the evidence, I'm about to get thrown off. But it suits yeah. that. Yeah, then it makes people think it. Yeah, it yeah, we've been robbed. It's been taken from us. All that good stuff. Just to bring a little bit of bounce before we move on to the next story, though, you know, every you know. There is a liberal, uh, sorry, a liberal mindset, a conservative mindset, and a conservative mindset is about small government and you know all the don't impinge on people's freedoms, let people choose, and there, you know, the, and and 
quite often people find themselves just on one side or the other of, of an argument, but then they get banded in with everyone else. And there probably is a feeling of oppression when you're banded. You know, it's 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 like religion when you 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 tie it to the extremists. You yeah, know, not yeah. all yep. religion is extremist, and uh, but they they get banded in with the same uh, you know uh, people, and they and therefore they feel like they can't express themselves because they get squashed by the you know the the liberal elite as they call them all liberal um you know people who just you know chastise them for for the extremes that their their side of the argument sort of brings with it and i think anyway. it's, a, it's a good point to make I, I you mentioned about you know biden winning when that was finally called my twitter stream i have never seen um i've never seen so many happy posts mm. and constant i mean the volume of people and I, and I guess it shows I'm in that bubble because there was not one dissenting voice, so I'm in a bubble. Uh, yeah, but but also I think that 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 whole the argument has moved away from that centre ground where you probably live, and it, yeah. you know, it, it actually the bubble is big. There's very few people that ended up being a Trump supporter, but they, you know the 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 ones that were were very vocal and very steadfast. And where I see it, and you know, I credit I back to like you know like the Brexit night, you know that 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 was like you know my, my Twitter stream was like distraught that morning because it was like. You know, you'd everybody had kind of gone to bed with a yeah, it's going to be closer than we thought, but you know, it's a done deal. And you wake up and go and you see Farage, and you're like, oh my god, how did that happen? Mm -hmm. And also, like Independence vote, you know, it was a very divided. You know, you could see it in Scotland, and my Twitter stream was really split around that with people yep. going yeah, and other people going what a disaster. Yeah, and, and it's and it's still that way. It's um, the Independence side. I, it's it's weird. The people are following, and they're not in a camp. Whereas it feels like there's very much a camp around the politicians and the people are followed, particularly in American politics or, or the UK politics. It's not the same when it comes to Scotland. It's strange. Yeah. We kind of strayed away into politics rather than, uh, yeah. I guess, the, the, te the tech bubble that still exists and the bubbles that we live in are still very much a tech argument and still something we don't have a solution for properly. But at least it's on the table and on the agenda as to how do we address that, I think. Um, Amazon, Amazon, Amazon have been charged with abusing EU competition rules. This is a this is around how they use the data because they have on their platform. When you go and buy stuff from Amazon, as you'll know now, you don't just buy from Amazon. You actually buy from a series of you know third party small businesses. Can you can anyone can sell up as a reseller on Amazon, and your products will get listed when people search. It's a whole marketplace. Um, but the EU is saying that Amazon have access to and use the information that comes from those small mini stores, if you like, that live in the whole Amazon ecosystem and are able to use that data for their own purpose, you know, purposes. So they can use that data to then um, work out what works best and, and use that for their own sale, sales purposes. Uh, Europe saying. Um, you know, it's nothing to do with the size of Amazon. They're doing this. They're just making sure that there's an even playing field. Amazon have come and said, you're calling us big, but actually in every market, we've got retailers that are bigger than us and we're tiny, really, promise and, and scouts honor. Um, but yeah, so that that's the argument. But they have been told that they will um, need to stop using that data. Um, and uh, have they been fined as well at this point, or are they are we are they just looking for a change? I think they're just looking for a change. They've been they've been charged, and a fine could be as high as ten percent of his global turnover, which would be fifteen billion. Um, mm -hmm. I, 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 we mentioned that they were up in front of Senate before, and and there was examples given there of you know abusing positions of you know small small business selling really well, and then they almost get delisted. And the Amazon-owned product gets pushed up, and sales just dropped off a cliff overnight. And there's there's examples in Europe as well of that. 
Um, sort of interesting, uh, you know, interesting how they, you know, uh, either disprove, prove either side. And, and I do think so. Amazon, I think, saw this coming, knew it was coming because the, they've been pushing small businesses. You see it in the UK store, this whole buy from these small businesses will give you an extra £10. You know, almost like try to dangle it in front of you. And it's, but it's a really small select number of businesses. It's almost like a Kickstarter type, you know, right. set of businesses to try to promote. And I think that's them. Um, it's a bit like when Apple says, "Oh, look, you can change your email, you know, your default email app this year." To, and it's it's all about can we make can we take it to make sure that we don't really get, get ahead of the get ahead yeah. of the story, yeah, yeah, because everything I, moves too slowly and tech can move faster. It's, it's, you know, it. it's still in our control. We'll give a little bit. We're still massively in control, and this feels like it here. And I, and I guess, as, as again, Amazon own the marketplace. And when you're a seller and own the marketplace, that does give you an advantage. And again, it just does question, you know, is it legitimate interest for them to look and, and see those trends and then say, oh, there's something selling really well here. Well, why don't we sell that? Uh, I guess it is. But then again, if that information is only available to them and not to other people, that's where you start getting into this mismatch of power. But equally, if you take away the Amazon marketplace from all these small sellers, then that would destroy a whole ton of, you know, uh, you know, business as well. You know, the little businesses rely on that, that selling. On, on and, and talk about fact checking and fake news. Amazon represents less than 1% of the global retail market and there are larger retailers in every country in which we operate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're tiny. We, yeah. we don't, we, we've got nothing. It's like nothing. Apple, Apple and the iOS compared to Android. Yeah. We're really yeah, small. Yeah. <laughs> nobody cares what we do oh yeah ignore all that money flowing around but we're tiny teeny tiny teeny tiny um 21 sorry yeah june 1st 21 google are going to stop the unlimited aspect of your photo storage so one of the selling points that google have been pushing for the last i, I think since pixel 3 um is the ability that whenever you take a photo on your pixel then a full high quality upload will be made to the cloud and that will be stored and it doesn't cost you anything to do that and in their out marketing campaigns they've been pushing that quite heavily but we have seen a twist um in the last i guess it's just in the last few days we've heard that from june 21 that pro that con uh, you know total freedom is gone um you it will still allow you to store anything you've taken to date so that's not going to count against you but anything from that point on you're going to have 15 gigabytes to store that data and beyond that 15 gigabytes you'll then need your their kind of um google one plan which gives you i think it's it's it's, it's a lot it's like 100 gigabytes is it something something in that region of, of storage um so basically they're saying the all you can eat buffet is over from June 21, um, you're going to have to start monitoring how many photos you take and, and upload into the cloud. I think, so I'm just trying, if you've still got, if you've got a pixel, I think, so I think this is what they're going to do is try and differentiate between the pixel notes. Yeah, if you want a pixel device, even after June 1st, you can still upload. But I guess a lot of people will be using that Google service if you're on Android. And I, I know a lot of people using iOS as well because it was a better in some people's eyes, a better photo service than than what, what Apple provided. Um, and it was a great backup. You know, it was just like a fire and forget, runs in the background, yeah, backs it up. That's how I use it. It's just absolutely fire and forget. It just does it all for me. It's great. Yeah. Um, and I guess I guess we're seeing ultimately when you've got, you know, millions and millions of users, that space starts to, you know. <laughs> that's a lot of data. Yeah. And, and there was, again, I've said that 80% of people will take three years to get to 15 gig. You know, mm -hmm. So it's a... It's, you know, don't don't panic is basically what they're saying. But then I think 
in our circle, we'll be in that twenty percent probably. You know, it'll be the. the I don't take that many photos to be honest. So it's not, it's not, it's not an issue for me. It never will be. It never has been. You send me selfie. You send me selfies every day. What are you on about? (laughs) What? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, they're they're probably right. The average user is is not the the problem. Is that it's it's images over three years old that you're more interested in. Maybe you know that's for me. That's of more interest than something I've done in the last three years. That's the bits I find more interesting. Cynical view, which I, I, I saw other people tweeting. Um, Google have got all the images they need for the machine learning, and <laughs> and they don't need you know, they don't they don't need this anymore. Maybe, maybe, but nevertheless, it's still not a sustainable position. To I mean, they, they think about the amount of data and storage. It's got to go somewhere. That all costs, and at the moment, that balance sheet is probably looking a little bit heavy. Nevertheless, um, Apple yeah. charge, Microsoft charge, although Microsoft is quite generous with what they give, you know, around about the storage. Um, Dropbox are, are are charging and limiting more on on what they do. Um, I was I was amazed when I got the PC and I put Dropbox on. And it said you can't install it. You need to now pay for Dropbox, and I was like, "How?" And I've limited it to three devices, so my Mac and yeah. two iOS devices are three devices. Yes. And I was like, yeah, "So, yeah. so fine." So I've just now went sod it. I've just moved everything to iCloud. Yeah, you know, uh, and that, and that's the, that's the plus and minus of these services. I mean, yep. for me, Dropbox still gives me that value, so I do have a subscription to it, and I think that's 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 good. Uh, also, I think I have a Google One subscription as well, um, and I think it's like a one pound one pound sixty a month. So effectively, we're talking 20 quid a year, something like that. It is not the end of the world um, to have to pay for it. And, and maybe it's more realistic that we do uh, and take more care of, yeah, of the data. I was, maybe take more care of our data. Really, ultimately. Yeah, so I was doing a similar Apple. So I think it was 250 a month, get me, get me 200 gig. And it means my mom's data is all getting backed up. I don't need to worry about it. Her phone's always backing up. And, I don't need, and, and I've got my stuff backing up. Um, and I now get that basically for free with those Apple One subscriptions um, because because it's all you know. If I look at what I was paying for Apple Arcade and 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 Apple Music, I now get that for free. Um, so yeah, it's um, it, we are getting to that point where there's there's no free lunch anymore. Raspberry Pi um, four hundred is now in a different form factor. So when you you can buy this uh, device and it's basically a keyboard. That has got the Raspberry Pi embedded into it, and it's got all the kind of connectivity on the back of the keyboard. Um, with so you can attach a micro SD, you can uh, a keyboard, uh, sorry, a, a mouse, uh, and and a monitor, and off you go, kind of thing. So, and I think that's quite a smart thing. I think most people who ended up buying the Raspberry Pi would have ended up buying some sort of keyboard to attach to it. So having that all embedded in is fine. It means that you can go from you know, set, you can immediately set up and get going um, without the need to buy or purchase any more peripherals. So as a gift, it makes much more sense. You know, you can have it as a gift and actually be up and running pretty quickly. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, I thought it was quite a smart a smart move. I guess my only um, slight concern is that mostly, you know, are you going to, you, you kind of want to connect wirelessly to a display, don't you? Because I, I remember my wireless keyboard that I had with my Raspberry Pi meant that I could, you know, use it in the lounge and I didn't have to actually sit right next to the TV to use it. Um, so there's there's going to be pluses and minuses. I th- I think it's still available in its standard format as well. Um, anyway, oh, yeah. This, this still, update... Oh, go on, sorry. No, you can still go all the little Raspberry Pi kits and stuff. I think this is just them saying there's a market there for, you know, that... If you just want to every so often code something, do something with it, you know, 
everything's there. And, and I, I, I actually thought the design of it was really slick as well. You know, it's as as people have said, it harks back to those. You know, the days where BBC Micros came to you know to, to the schools, yeah, and it, that's yeah, an integrated yeah. keyboard and computer, effectively. And it's harked right back to that time. And and it's very true. It's a pickup. You know, it is literally a keyboard that is a computer. And 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 you know like i say it just just shows how far we move in 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 the world when you think back to the power and those the, the size of those micro pc and, micros and, and, and so, the size of the keyboard now yeah yeah absolutely similar to last year's pi um so you know a quad core arm chip slightly faster four gig of ram gigabit ethernet bluetooth 5 and it's got wi-fi um yep. there's there are two micro hdmi ports that can each output up to 4k you know, wow. so it's, wow. it's like, it's, you know, it's, like it's, it's crazy two usb3 ports and a single usb2 and there's a micro sd card slot for storage you know so that'll be where your high you know os and stuff lives but yeah it's um <laughs> it just as soon as i saw it, it was like yeah so, and, and again the six different keyboard layouts you know so there's like there's six different you know uk us german french italian spanish so they're covering their bases around you know the, the different languages um, and there's variants on the way soon for Norway, Sweden, Denmark, Portugal, and Japan. And you can pick one up for seventy dollars, sort of unbundled, or a hundred dollars um, with with an additional micro SD card, HDMI cable, and a, a mouse and the power supply. So you, you can hundred dollars, you can actually have a a reasonable PC up and running, uh, running you know whatever OS you want to get installed on Pi, and then yeah. Uh, and plug it into your screen and off you go. Good stuff. Um, kind of at the other end of the processor and markets, we've had AMD delivering all of their news. I can't remember what we sort of spoke about or the last time we spoke, but anyway, AMD have had quite a few press conferences recently about all their graphics cards. Um, they've also been talking around their processors um, and they're kind of how and, and and sort of over the last few weeks they've all been tying together how those two things work together but so and nvidia got ahead of the curve um whenever it was back in october when they announced uh whatever i can't say i was quoting dates there i have no idea no nothing to back it up they quoted their new uh 3080 cards and their 3070 cards and their 3090 cards the their latest sort of graphics cards which have been the subject of you know being completely unavailable because they sell out in a, in a microsecond they were originally offered at fantastic prices which mostly people can't get the cards for because they're in such short display supply but nevertheless the technology on board those cards and the reviews that those cards have received have been pretty universally good They're, you know compared to some other previous launches uh, they offer a massive powerful upgrade and it was very much in amd's court as to how they were going to reply to this and they have now have replied with their rx um, 6000 series cards uh, so their graphics cards and effectively they've got one 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 for one comparison um so the um 6800 uh, is going to go against the, you know, the RTX 30. This is going to turn into a quagmire of numbers, but effectively <laughs> they've got three offerings, which which effectively match very similar in price sort of range as well. Um, but their top of the range is actually cheaper. Yeah, but, um, but you're right. There's almost like they're hitting the same bands, aren't they? That's what they're which trying to do. What Nvidia got ahead of the guy, and they they put their bar low uh, as far as cost goes, and um, it looks like AMD are matching that, and in fact, in some cases, bettering it um and equally they they are also bettering them on the watts usage so these these things are much more efficient um 
you know, in certain terms than than the the Nvidia equivalent. People, you know, we we yet to see the full on um, sort of um, you know numbers and everything. But for the early numbers that we have seen, they are very much a good comparison side for side. And alongside their new the AMD processors, which they've also announced, which look to have taken a significant step up and paired together with the processor and the graphics card, they offer an even bigger step up. So there's another 10% of efficiency roughly, or it's, I think it was six to 10% of efficiency coming from pairing the two together. And that's free, uh, free performance. If you're using an AMD uh, chip and a, a thing and, and, and on the chip side of things, it looks like AMD are starting to really impact um, Intel's lack of activity in the last X, X years, however many it is that, that they haven't moved to the new processing, uh, you know, their their new micro scale nanometer scales that they that they want to get done. So that's kind of the overall rundown. It looks like AMD have really sort of knocked it out of the park as far as being able to sell systems and sell chips and graphics cards side by side, which are going to uh, compete with, if not beat, Radeon. And the only question around it is um, the AMD cards don't have the same upscaling technology that. Uh, nvidia are using in order to push their ray tracing at high resolution so they're using um ai driven upscaling of textures to allow them to render a game at say 1080p but actually play it at 1440p with the same level of detail uh, so you go that was a quick rundown without trying to get into too many numbers um but i think um amd have put themselves in a really strong position here i, I agree um you covered that really well um so so i've not like if i tried to do anything more but like i I just failed it a couple of things for me is interesting is when i was you know looking and then bought a pc you know it's like june july august time everybody was saying you know it's in, intel and nvidia if you're if you're really wanting performance and certainly in cpu wise it's it's shifted you know it's you know everybody's now saying just go you know just go radium you know there's there's no point um, it's it's either cheaper or it's the same price and better performance. You know, so depending on where you pick your level, um, and graphics card, it, I think we'll just wait and see. It looks as if, as you say, knocked out the park. It's back to whether you value the real high end ray tracing that Nvidia seem to be the best quality. But do you really need it? Do you really notice it during gameplay? Is is I still think up for debate. You know, it's a bit like the three D TVs. Everybody's pushing this and it's hard to see during gameplay. I think the upscaling is an amazing technology. Uh, and actually AMD have come out and said they are looking at super sampling um, and coming up with a new system to sort of, if not completely matched what NVIDIA are doing on, because they've got specific cores and hardware to to carry out that process for them as amd have gone down and you know add the power and then you can you can put whatever on top it's worth mentioning that all the consoles are based around amd um so yes. playstation and microsoft are using the amd platform and actually not the latest versions of everything but nevertheless it'll be the same kind of technologies so you'll see on consoles that they'll talk about ray tracing but it'll be a different type of ray tracing for the, the than than happens on nvidia and and ultimately you know ray tracing is it is still a thing and, and nvidia are getting around it by this clever technology which upscales and i think we'll see that technology leaking out elsewhere because having low quality tv signals that then get boosted up artificially is actually you know a, a potentially i can see these the, the way this artificial intelligence could be working for other signal types as well um i, I see that coming forward so i i don't think that's going away and it is the only way you can have this super ray tracing performance at higher resolutions even though it's kind of a cheat but in some ways there's plenty of occasions where it shows that 
the output from that is better than almost than native whereas there are other examples you can pick where the, the output is is worse than native um uh, nvidia are very uh, sorry um amd are still very much going down the native route which means that they're you know the power is pushing out extra fidelity rather than concentrating on that ray tracing so it, like I say it depends how much balance you put to that how much you think that is affecting your gameplay but when you see real ray tracing done well it does add some depth and perform you know it does add some realism there that oh, I'm, I'm not yeah i'm not i'm not belittling it by saying it's you know as bad as 3d tv there's certainly there's, there's game demos and there's games that i've now seen now that i've got one is like yeah i can that that's nice that's a real nice difference a uh, couple of, th- this week and um, we'll be interested for two things so the first cards come on sale this week so so november 18th we'll see the 6800 um xt and the rx come on sale um, then six nine hundred is December eighth, so staggered a bit like Nvidia had done as well. Um, so interesting for two things: will they have stock? <laughs> because I've, because because <laughs> I've just looked at this. So Scan have been really good at, at at being you know open with how much um, demand they've got, mm-hmm. and they've still got as of today two thousand two hundred outstanding pre-orders on yeah. on their Nvidia cards, and that's yeah. just in the thirty seventy. If I go thirty eighty, they've got two and a half thousand, and yep. thirty ninety, they've got five hundred. So it's five thousand five hundred. That's just one UK store. So that shows yep. you the pent up demand around these cards. So it'll be interesting to see whether AMD, a do they have the same demand, and b we'll see reviews drop this week because that's yep. we've we've seen we've seen like game demos and the frame rates and they're hitting slightly higher frame rates and being more consistent. And you're like, okay, this is looking really good, but. That it'll be the actual reviews and the pixel peeping and, and showing you the differences now. Another factor for AMD is they are getting heck of a pressure from the console manufacturers to make sure they can get their um, demand met. Um, so you can imagine that that's putting pressure on their production and all their delivery systems as well. So um, they've got to hit that as well. I mean, what, what a year for AMD and NVIDIA. You know? So it's like yeah, it's you know, a huge, huge year. They are one of the, you know, it, it is the focus of computing right now is the the graphics cars and capabilities, which are effectively whole systems of, in and of themselves. It's pretty incredible. Um, and talking about a system in and of itself, let's get on to Apple, who had another announcement um, last, is it last? I don't even know when it was this week. It was, Tuesday? It was Tuesday. Tuesday, yeah. <laughs> and this was their announcement around their new silicon, so their m1 chip as it's now been released to be called uh, this is their arm-based chip apple's own technology a design they're saying it's their five nanometer technology i, I think i spoke last podcast about the, the nonsense that is the terminology around sizing so just take it that they've kind of microfied microfied there you go <laughs> more terms you could use uh, they've made their small processes even more smaller and efficient um and basically, they've got a system on a chip design. So it means they're cramming everything a little bit like you would in a mobile phone. They're cramming all their different sort of um, chips and memory and stuff onto a single a system on a chip. Uh, and they reckon that's giving them some pretty stellar um, uh, efficiencies and performance and power uh, ratings, um, which they ha- were at pains to continuously let us know in their... Um, they're four, I think it's a 45 minute odd um, briefing, so really nice and compact, which is good it, to see. It was, it was. Um, so this um, is them. Um, this is them um, transitioning away from Intel. So a big, a big, huge fundamental shift. And and interestingly for me, 
And I, I don't know when you moved or, or became an Apple user. For me, it was when they moved to Intel. That's when I, that was my it was, first it was post. It was post that period, so yeah. Yeah, so 15 years ago, I picked up the first iMac. And it was all round. They went to Intel. Um, it was it was an easy route in for me then, to, and I liked the iMac design, and I wanted I wanted um, be the iPod, so it was like a colour iPod I think I picked up at the time, and it all it all made sense, um, and that and that brought me in. So so this is them um, transitioning, um, as you say, there was lots of chat. So they've called it an M1, um, and the M1 is really just the A14 chip, but there's yeah. more cores and there's more cash, so it's like a super a super version of it, but they're, they're doing their own branding around it for Mac. Um, uh, it, so there was lots of graphs and charts. Interestingly, no scales on them. So I've heard other people call them <laughs> Bezos charts because Amazon are famous for these kind of charts. They don't really tell you much. All it is is... Performance, is, higher is better. Power yeah. consumption, lower is better. <laughs> yeah, that, that kind of thing. Um, and a bit, a bit like what we've just covered off with the um, uh, AMD this coming week will will be interesting because it's this coming week that we'll see people will have devices in their hands and I'm sure we'll get proper reviews. In some ways, actually, when, when Apple does graphs without... Although there's a the little bit... There, there's be, there was vagueness around all the figures they were giving and I guess that's just the vagaries of trying to tell you how fast or how performant or some, uh, how efficient something is. Generally speaking, when Apple don't put a scale on it, when it comes to the actual reviews, we see some quite good figures um, from people in the real world, and that's that's kind of their whole point is that when they when they talk about this is more powerful than you know two thirds of the PCs that have been sold in the last X years, what they mean is this is going to give you the power that most people need for their everyday day to day compute needs. Uh, agreed, and some of the early Geekbench because people are running Geekbench stuff all the time. They look out there and they're all public, and you can see them. Um, they are there are some mighty you know, scores coming in, and that's not the full story. There's a we'll, we'll come on to it in a bit, but there's there's um, yeah. yeah. Until you get the kind of generic G- CPU GPU tests that that need to happen to understand how it compares across platform. Yeah, we've talked before that you know moving away from moving to Intel was a massive pain. So you you came in afterwards, I came in afterwards, but I did work with people who were in the industry when they moved to Intel for the first time, and it was a pretty awkward transition period for sure for the developers and for you know the sales but once they got through it that's when they saw their sales really absolutely soar and fly um so it is a big move for them to move away from that into this arm based sort of mobile-ish chip which they they are putting their reduced instruction set chips which they're putting their their power behind now um and also the locked in system on a cpu design is great for getting power and efficiency at low um you know at low power rates but equally it means that you 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 suffer on the extensibility of it but then again apples and apple computers in general they're not known for their extensibility even now um no but but they really are limited more so it's like um so so you're right so this is all now a system on a chip and all that means is instead of like a full motherboard and lots of chips it's all just one chip you know so just just everything's getting shrunk down um and what we're seeing and what, what, what that's caused a bit of consternation this week is things like, um, so there's three products I've announced, which is like the MacBook Air, the MacBook Pro 13 and the, the Mac Mini. Um, and the most RAM you can get is 16 gig. And a lot of people are like, what? You know, yeah. for a MacBook Pro, that feels quite low. For a Mini, it used to go to 32 gig. That's quite low. Um, and it's also shared memory. 
um, and it's memory within the system of the chip, so it's part of you know you can't you know weird. So I've I've got an iMac, you know PC. You used to just going out and buying you know and you stick yeah and you stick sticking it in and doubling your capacity. Um, not anymore. Um, it is it is decided purchase time and eight gig costs two hundred pound. You know that is the difference. It's like oh, and that's shared. So it's shared with um, the GPU as well. Yeah. So the GPU is interesting in that. Um, they're saying this is the most efficient, you know, inbuilt, you know, GPU. I think it's got eight cores on the MacBook Pro and the um, the Mac Mini, and it's seven cores, which seemed a bit strange at first. The MacBook is like, why seven? Um, but seemingly this is common in that they 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 go through their production process, and every so often you'll get one chip not working properly. So instead of just been in the whole set, they turn it off, and it's got seven. Right. and that's what the differentiator was in the ipad and similarly other you know intel have done this for years as well you know they'll make one cpu um and when you get the lower spec one it's because you know the yield rates just aren't there but they can just turn off the ones that aren't working and i remember years and years and years ago you could go and buy a pentium 4 something or other and it used to just have a little bit of solder across a jumper <laughs> and if you remove that solder suddenly you went up to the next processor grade up and it didn't take long for people to figure that out uh, yeah so so I'm, I'm i don't think it's just a little bit older but it's actually the perfect analogy of what's happening um so uh will we go through devices yeah uh, i mean yeah th- i mean ultimately I, I, you can summarize them by saying apple are saying they're going to have more capability because of their new chips but ultimately the, the product itself is going to be very similar uh, perfect so my, my book here um, looks exactly the same and this is where I felt the stats got a bit more real. So up to three and a half times faster than the previous generation was was starting to get because because it, it started and it, I'm saying it got more real. There was a couple other bits in here. So world's fastest integrated graphics, and that's probably not too hard. But they talked about on a personal computer because and what do you mean by a personal computer? And because the Intel integrated graphics aren't the best. And um, but then they started throwing in it's faster than 98 percent of PC laptops sold in the past year, but. But it's like, what? What was your? What was that? You know, was that a two or three hundred quid laptop that is the biggest market seller? And mm. then you're finding the really fast ones actually don't sell that many. I've no idea. I mean, if I look at what enterprises are buying, they're not buying, you know, you know, fast, um, you know, chipsets and fast graphics. You're buying something that runs Office and runs Slack and runs, you know, these kind of things. Um, but but yeah, the the SSDs improved. It the there, so it's completely silent, no fan. Um, and I guess a couple of interesting stats that, that that were like, okay, so your your speeds are a lot better, but it's the battery life. So fifteen hours of wireless web and eighteen hours of video playback, which is six more than before, um, and two times the battery life in video calls and and touch ID starts at the same price, you know. So and then, and again. Uh, Things like battery life, um, watch time. Apple have traditionally been pretty accurate with the figures they've given. They have. Yeah. So, so, that, so we 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 were taught about this before it before the event, and and to me, they would only move to this if your battery life's much improved and it's also faster. And it looks like in both counts, this is a pretty dramatic step change in and what you get out of your laptop now, um, and it's almost a doubling of battery life um, and the speeds. You know, two to three times, assuming the app's been designed for Apple Silicon. 
Yeah, because that's that's, that's the, the overall topic that we could probably come on after we've mentioned the Mac Mini, yeah. which is again becoming relevant again because they've whacked one of these new chips in it. They've released a new product and it's $100 less than the old product, which is a nice step change. Well, it should be because it was, I think the old one was over, overpriced. Cause it used to be a Mac when it was 500 quid. And then the new one came out and it was eight, it was it was like eight hundred and you're like what, you know that's yeah. that's ridiculous. Um, design's exactly the same even though the chip inside's tiny. Um, they're saying it's six times performance and graphics over the previous mini. Um, you know it's if you compare the Mac Mini, the top selling PC desktop, whatever that is, it's a tenth the size with five times the performance. And it's like well, of course it is because you're buying a, a tower that you can yeah. throw things in. You know it's. Um, and as, as you said, you know, starting price in a good place, but but two less Thunderbolt chips. You know, the previous one yep. had four, it's only got two because the system of chips only got two um, Thunderbolt you know chips that address the reality of it i guess again though is is that a sensible decision because most people won't be using four thunderbolt ports agreed um and then we had the macbook pro 13 inch um and again arguably this is the one that's most impacted by that performance because the macbook pro is designed around performance and being able to use it as a productivity thing so this is the most interesting one for me on that basis so design's not changed um, still quoting five times faster graphics. The battery life is better again because it's it's a bigger case, so they can pack in more battery. Because you, I, I think if, if you know most folk opened up the laptop, they'd be pretty surprised. Same with the iPad, it's a battery inside yeah. with a, a small system. In it's, it's a battery with a, a big you know screen on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's got studio quality mics. Um, it's still a 720p camera, which <laughs> just seems a bit yeah, silly. It's bizarre. Yeah. Um, it's got the same touch bar. Um, but it starts a slight higher. The weird bit is, but it's the same M1. Um, the only difference is, um, and they've talked about it, they called it like it's got active cooling. It's got a fan. So I guess it's the, the thermally, there will be throttle in the air in some way that the MacBook Pro won't be and that the fan can help with. Yeah. Um, and that seems, that'll be the interesting bit around performance. You know, So the Mini, Mini looks like a, a, a good purchase. Just it'd be interesting to see the performance differences between that Air and the MacBook Pro because it was always a noticeable difference in performance, and because because yeah. the chips were different, you, know, you were yeah. going from a you know a, a you know a pretty small Intel chip to you know, quite a beefy chip that needed cooling. That was now, that was the compromise of the Air, wasn't it? Yeah. To get that small lightweight, you had to go with a you know smaller everything. Yeah. And the only difference is the, the these eight cores. You know, so it's got eight graphic cores compared to seven graphic cores, which. In my head, doesn't equate to much performance difference, but we'll, we'll need to wait and see. Um, and certainly the demos that 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 they showed, and we'll maybe touch on that with with some software stuff now. So Big Sur came out this week, and they talked they talked about the, you know, when you look at what what Big Sur does, it's all built for Apple Silicon, and they showed you, you know, Apple's own apps um, running. Um, you know, and it was processing 4K video and processing more audio than it ever could be in the past. It all looks really, really promising. Um, they talked about they were they've optimized all their own Apple apps. They then talked about universal apps which can run in either processor, so either Intel or or, or um, Apple Silicon. Um, and then they showed OmniGroup, Adobe, so Lightroom's coming next month. Photoshop's early next year. Um, Office have already so, so, not Office, Microsoft have released, released a beta last night into their dev channels for all the Office apps 
So it looks like some of the big companies have stepped up. If you don't have a, a universal app, you use Rosetta too. So Rosetta was a, um, I don't know if you remember that Rosetta, Chris, you probably do. So that was what they used as a translation software between PowerPC and Intel. So Rosetta 2 is is, is for Intel um, x86 code to run under the, the ARM chipset. Um, and it said, it, it, and again, this was a weird bit. So they said some graphic demanding apps perform better with Rosetta, but there was no evidence. And I found that strange for a, a keynote that usually put two or three demos up. And it was nothing. It was, it was. And it's kind of how is that even possible? That I, you know, the, some it, of them. Yeah, and I've got well, I've, I've got my, my little kind of geeky stat that I pulled out just just because things are leaking out now over the last few days. So there's a chap called David Smith works for Apple. Um, so an NS object is is a basically an object in memory that when you're coding in, in, in Apple's and iOS and Mac, that you use all the time. That takes around 30 nanoseconds on the current gen Intel. So nanoseconds, obviously, tiny, tiny amount of time. Um, on an M1, it takes 6.5 nanoseconds. So that's what, you know, five times better performance, which, again, if you go back to some of the charts, they talk about five times better performance. Um, but if you look at it when it's emulating, so on an M1 emulating an Intel, it's 14 nanoseconds. So still double the performance. And that'll be interesting to see. But is that just the is that on this particular use case it works really well and in other use cases it's worse time will tell and you know will there be bugs and will there be things that just crash because under emulation you know there's a some sort of under emulation at some level there has to be a translation table right between one thing means another thing and that process has to happen somewhere and i guess you know clever people work out how to do that most efficiently but Uh, yeah. yeah And and yeah. so a couple of the hardware type things that we saw, so um, external GPU support, which they made a big thing about last year and year before, not gone. supported anymore. Yep, yep. gone. Um, we talked about the RAM, um, sixteen gig. A lot of people were like, oh, you know, if you so again, they never showed anything around um, uh, running a VM. So if, mm-hmm. if running a VM is important to you, RAM overhead has always been an issue. That. That looks to be a real problem right now. But then, are these devices really? You know, is there a is there a Mac Mini Pro coming out next year, which will have a an M2 chip that lets you have, you know, four Thunderbolt outputs and lets you go up to thirty two or sixty four gig of RAM. You know, that feels right. And the extra thousand pounds manufacturer cost. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm touched on that animation of a user touching Mac widgets and stuff earlier. Um, but yeah, it, it, I I don't know how you felt because we, we deliberately didn't talk about this through the week, you know. So mm. I I thought it looked like they'd hit the two things round much faster, much better battery life. Disappointed that the designs hadn't changed, but maybe that's a, you know maybe that's not a surprise because they just you know slowly slowly, and this is the 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 end of the market, which is the not the kind of you know developer or pro is really the end of the markets round the macbook air is the biggest selling laptop don't change too much at once yeah and they and they um you know they chose their product well product suite well this is like you say that it's not necessarily people looking for the bleeding edge they just want to be able to have a laptop that does what they want it to do and and it sounds like that's what they're going to get however for me the vagaries around we still need to see what that means as far as does it mean there's going to be very few games as a carryover. If you've got the big releases, are mm. they going to come to Mac? Um, you know, I said before, gaming is a big part of computing nowadays and, and drives drives a lot of sales decisions. You know, if 
if you've got a, someone who wants to play Fortnite and can they do it on their Mac? And it's all those kind of questions and, and that we don't know the answers to. And then finally, is how complicated it is to upgrade. We've had the, the, the Apple sell, that it's a very easy thing for to convert your app from one platform to the other. But we just, we won't know for a bit and what are the actual what are the pinch points? What is the restrictive thing that is going to be the, you know, is it a problem or is it not a problem? And we won't know that until I probably, probably going to be a year before we know that for, for sure. You know, I think but, so. I mean, a bit like what we said with AMD, the week ahead, you know, all the reviews that are going to drop, I am, um, you know, really, and, and not so much the, the kind of fluffier reviews. It's the ones where it's like, you know, the you know, the folk that are really going to go into the chipset performance and really going to the weeds round, you know, how fast is this and picking up, you know, really, you know, difficult edge cases and saying, you know, does this work well or does it not work well? Yeah. Um I, I did take a bit of hope that that they, they showed, you know, the we talked that there was very little demos and it was a short keynote. I mean I was actually really like, yeah, hey, I, I'm a, I, by the way, I love the way they're doing it. I know you're <laughs> you really don't i love these uh this one this this one wasn't as cringesome as the others to be fair yeah. uh one, one thing i did find was interesting is how do you make someone that's working effectively in a basement feel like they're wanted and cool <laughs> that's how, how do you get down all those floors into the basement into this weird bunker area and try and make them feel like they're not with the last but you know the last thought I thought you were going to say it was it was a really good one until um, Craig Figueredi had opened it up because it said it's got instant on and he was doing the kind of Barry White music in the background. <laughs> it was a bit silly. And, and I find that funny because I, I've listened to him so much now in other podcasts and stuff. I get that he's a really senior executive, but there's a humour element to I him. think he comes, for me, he comes across much better in the live performance. The, uh, yeah, the but stage, I, yeah, but I much prefer these ones to the, the canned, yeah. woo, uh, yeah, woo. Yeah, sure. Yeah, um, the, the dev video I actually liked because it wasn't just like Adobe and Microsoft. It was some of the smaller devs, you know. So like, um, Panic was on here. Panic, but Panic are so in inbred Apple that they it's are, just but, not even funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the the important thing for me about Panic was none of their apps are on the App Store anymore. Mm. They had to take them away because they couldn't get them working with all the limitations around Macs. But Apple were still happy to put them in there as a really mm, passionate okay. Apple developer. And I just thought that was good that they're not just saying, see all the folk that play by our rules fully. We're happy. You know, it was like, uh, you're right, I mean, Panic are uh, they're an Apple shop, you know, and they've, they've kind of sidelined off and did a couple of games recently, you know, but, but they are and always have been, you know, and therefore, Apple it, developer. Given that they're working on the Apple environment and with all their Apple tools, and that's where I'm thinking that, you know, that will be the most seamless because that will be the most concentrated on transition path. Uh, yeah. Um, so super excited about the week ahead. I think it was a really good start. Uh, and it'll be interesting just to see all the stats, graphs, where it goes. Um, I quite like John Hodgman coming back to, to be PC. You know, it was a heart back to the Mac versus PC commercials. I, I liked that. There was something that was like, I like that. <laughs> um, and Big Sur is out now. I have no idea if it's good or not because I have resisted because it makes a lot of audio changes and the podcast wins over my, my interest in Big Sur. I guess you've not Big Sur'd. Uh, don't. No, I doubt it. <laughs> I don't know, to be honest. I have no idea what anything's running anymore. I just let it do its thing. Um, um, but I think I did see a notification to update and I haven't said yes yet. So Yeah, I've got it. the little red thing and a notification saying, come on, get to Big Sur. And I'm like, leave me alone. Yeah, we'll see what that breaks. 
All right. So, yep, we'll say stats and figures once it comes out. Early stats, you know, leaked stats looking pretty promising as far as numbers. But let's uh, let's wait for the the full geek crew to get hold of these things and, and see what they think. Um, quickly back into games. Um, Codemasters have um, they look like they're going to be selling to take two. They have done. So there you go. So it's all done and dusted. So Codemasters of Dirt Rally and also the Formula One licenses currently. So that's that's been a massive part of their recent um, lineup. Um, and take two um, to two K games, two K sports. Um, yeah, Rockstar Games title. So they're 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 massive. Take two. <laughs> basically uh, like that beer moth that really doesn't have the same kind of exposure something like ea does but it has a massive kind of backlog just in a similar kind of way um so yeah they're, they're sold um i having we've just played their codemasters latest dirt 5 game and actually there were some rough edges so maybe they were concentrating more on the sale <laughs> process than the building of games who knows i'm, I'm, I'm still sure they've, they've they've been told hit this release date yeah i think you're right yeah, some sales figures. Um, and also uh, Xbox Call of Duty, um, Xbox release and the Call of Duty game has caused massive broadband data spike in the UK. All these games are effectively digital first in many cases now. And and the updates that are happening because of Xbox, you know, smart delivery and the download of a massive new release like Call of Duty caused absolutely you know it caused everyone to become have lower transfer rates because the the, the peak was so high um and then the figures and the, the size of the downloads that are taking place are just so massive that no network can currently cope without without having to impact yeah and and it's i mean as you said and, the, and the, if you're not a gamer you know so like call of duty you know so the new version the new game and um, black ops came out yesterday and it's 176 gig to download. It's just it, massive. It's a huge game, and and it is like you know, Call of Duty and FIFA are usually the two big multiplayer because they're they'll hit number one on all the platforms. And I know there'll be other individual games like Halo coming out. would probably sell more on Xbox, and and you know one of the big PlayStation titles, you know, like Spider Man, will sell more. But combined, they're just huge titles, um, and even things like you know. As you say, you know, Forza was seventy gig, Destiny sixty five gig, and that that Forza update was it was the update to yeah. if you already had it installed, it was seventy yep. gig on top of that. Yeah, all huge and BT, so eighteen terabits per second. So that's <laughs> that's equivalent to delivering fifteen hundred hours of high definition video every second. The amount of data flying out that is just bonkers, isn't it? And it beats the previous record, which was when there was there was a, a high demand for both streaming football and video games. Again, we're seeing video games this year really driving traffic. I think we touched on it before that a Call of Duty patch came out, and it was a we all thought with people working from home was going to really stress UK networks, and it's been these massive game patches because they're because everyone wants them now because they're yep. playing their games because they're yep. locked at home. Yeah. And yep. and you're sitting at home, and the game forces you to download it as well. So it's not you can't play online without it. So it's not like an optional thing. It's not like you can say, "Oh, no, we've talked about Big Sur. I'll do that at, at my leisure." It, it's like no, if you want to play the game. And I wonder whether networks will start asking game manufacturers to allow pre-load of data, so that then when the release happens, people aren't impacted because they're all getting the game at the same time. Yeah. So so Call of Duty did that. So Call it. So so I think game releases. They're doing it like up to a week. The before. preload, yeah, yeah. But I think the the patches patching are not... as well. I'm, yeah, especially yeah. with the patches. And uh, the patches have went huge. So so patches. I I used to more when a patch was like 
four gig, eight gig. You know, you'd see like see a thieves eight gig, and you're like, Jesus Christ, why is it eight yeah. gig to add like three ghosts in a ship? You know what I mean? <laughs> it doesn't. Pumpkins. Yeah, you know, it doesn't make sense. But but then black op patches are coming in at sixty gig, and you're like, you're you're yeah, you're you're just redoing a whole lot of assets here. You know, that's it's a lot the of data only, moving around. Yeah. yeah. They maybe and maybe they will have to a bit like Apple went through their phase of making sure that people's updates uh, were done, you know, incrementally via, you know, our synky type um, processes. Maybe patches will also start working in that kind of async, so making them more efficient rather than, um, you know, so they're using technology to minimise the amount of data that has to flow around. Um, and and if they're not doing that already, I imagine that's becoming higher up the the list of things to do. Um, but yeah, we've already chatted for a, a while now, but one last thing that we want to chat about is the Xbox Series X. So we both have a new console here and um, we're about yeah, three to four days in of owning the console um, and we both used it, not extensively, but you know, on and off just to see what it's about and see how that all performs. So we've, we'll have some... I guess opinions around that right now. So um, let's yeah, let's try and let's try and do it in an order. So as far as the hardware goes, you've all seen the pictures online. It is a you know a mini tower or a, a sideways brick if you like on its side. Um, but it's in the flesh. It feels like a fairly big sturdy block, but not unwieldy. I don't know if if you think it does look unwieldy. I, I don't. I, it's interesting because I put the. I put the pick online, just saying, you know, it's kind of here. And I got people going, ah, yeah, sorry, I couldn't get one ordered. But one of the guys was like, that's huge compared to the, the consoles I used to have. And I guess when you compare it to a SNES or a, you know, a Mega Drive or something like that, it, it is. And even, but but I think volume-wise, if you look at it from comparing like the probably the, the Xbox One that came out, which was a beast, yeah. I think this is actually, it feels like it's smaller for me. I actually, I actually like the, I, I like the design of it. I like the look of it. I like that it's just, you know, it's just a, you know, it's a fridge, a little mini black fridge. <laughs> it's a I, little I, mini black fridge. And, and I think the other thing I like hardware-wise is it's it's silent. Um, uh, even Which under- passing your silence test is quite high par as well. I mean, I the old one was a bit noisy every now and again when it was playing hard, you know, 4K graphics or whatever. Um, but this one, I haven't heard it. You get a lot anything. of, you know, so if I take the headset off, there's a little bit of noise, but it's tiny. You know, it's tiny, com- and, and that's us stressing it. You know, that's us running 4K games, and it's like, you know, and, and fair enough, there's a lot of heat coming off. You know, so I've went, and, and you put your hand over it, so there's, a, there's one large fan, um, and it is chucking out a lot of heat. You know, so there's, there's definitely a vent chimney going on there. Um, but it, so far, um, I really like the hardware. I'm really, really, really impressed with it. Um, actually, the, the um, controller as well, so I, I've always preferred the Xbox controller to the PlayStation one. I know other people are, are fundamentally disagreed, but I just found it comfier. I like the weight of it. I think they've shaved a couple of mils off here and there, and there's now a share button, which it feels such an obvious thing because the PS4 did have that, and it made it so easy just to capture a screen or capture a video um, yeah. instead of shouting Cortana all the time and, and <laughs> yeah. struggling with the and voice. Not working. Yeah. Uh, hardware, would you any thoughts? No, no, exactly the same. I mean, the controller, I like the fact that I've got a share button now and it works, but because I've got an Xbox Elite um, Series 2, that's the controller I use and therefore I don't have the share button. So it's a little bit sort of, uh, yeah, I see the benefit of it, but I'm not going to currently enjoy that because I'm not going to buy another 150, whatever it was, 
200 quid controller um, that's potentially going to have a share button coming up soon um yeah hardware itself is is it looks good and what that means as far as the loading performance of the game is when you first do it it's pretty startling and the, the difference between load, loading sea of thieves on the xbox series x and the xbox one x is just night and day same with forza and all those other games it it boots quick and it boots efficiently um and you know it it's almost it's shocking sometimes and instant on and and um the kind of instant resume that 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 happens in games when it works is again pretty just bonkers that i can be playing dirt five with you which is what i did the other day and then i just go back to my dashboard and i load up a assassin's creed and i am immediately just like i'd pressed unpause in the game basically uh, and so when it happens it's amazing so it's almost more jarring when you load up a game and it hasn't got the instant response yeah. uh, the instant start and it's not clear yet what causes why sometimes it does sometimes it doesn't um and i think i guess over the next couple of weeks we'll probably find out some people do some investigations of what causes it you know if you go back to the home does that help if you just turn the console off straight from the game does that not work because it's you know just all those kind of questions i'm sure will be answered but but when it does when everything does work and the game resume works it's just yeah it, it and, makes gaming a whole different prospect really and, and then so just to put it in context the instant on and and get into a game we're talking you know four or five seconds and your your dash is there usable and then a game is a couple of seconds you know it is it is that quick if, if, yeah. if all as you say if all those things kind of line up and it all works as expected um so yeah that's um so one thing i thought was interesting was so in the the older one i never left it on the kind of quick power up mode because it made a noise all the time um yeah. and just where, where i've got the console situated it's like no nope, i ain't suffering that um with this one i have left it on instant on because i can't really hear it but the fans on all the time you can't hear it unless you put your ear close to it, but you put your hand over it and you just get a little gentle breeze and it's on all the time. Mm. And it's really, I'm just like, so I'm now questioning the whole, I, I, I love the benefit as you just described, but in my head it's like, I'm going to be playing this, what, 5% of the week and it's on all the time. Yeah, and the other so, benefit of the always on is the the updates that you don't uh, have to yeah. sit and wait through when yeah. you're first firing up a game. So it does that solve all that for you. Uh, and and who knows, maybe with a, a new hardware patch or an update recent, they'll 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 adjust that. But it does feel a little bit wasteful to have the fan there, even when it's completely sat there doing nothing. Yeah. Um, so software, and the reason I just put down is the software is a category. Um, the dash is exactly the same, so it's like I, I remember the the whole thing about a new console was usually a new dash, new way of working, and it just it, it almost takes away some of the impact of the new console. That was that was what I felt. I don't know. Uh, and I and I feel the same. It doesn't feel such an event because everything feels too familiar. However, it's also not been an event for negative reasons in the same way. And if you remember when we went first to Xbox One, um, that was a very jarring and horrible experience because the software was awful yeah. and it really didn't allow you to do anything because it was still tied into connect and all those other things uh, and there were certain actions you couldn't do without your voice and without moving oh, your hands really around and, and, yeah. and so you don't get any of that um all we got on launch day was an extremely slick process and ability to turn on the console have it exactly as you left it and transfer all your data from your existing console if you wanted to over the network or you could start it from scratch um so it was completely seamless on those fronts we didn't hit any of those issues so 
pluses and minuses but you're right they released the kind of patched console you know uh, dashboard several weeks before the launch of the console again probably deliberately to avoid those issues but it does mean that you lose some of that feeling yeah. of newness for sure and, and the dash i've got to be honest the dash is flying for me you know it's yeah. like you know really easy to move around really quick and i, th- I think it was your tip you had said you'd used the app on the phone to do the to do like to set the console up yeah. and what a breeze that was you know yeah, it was really it was like you, you know 10 digit code on the screen bang that in the phone and you're off and running you don't have to type in any passwords it's, yeah. it's you know you, it's all those things are all sorted for you so if you're already in the xbox you know environment then it was just it really was easy to get up and running and and all my hardware so my uh, other than having to do a rejig around there's no optical cable on the 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 new box so that did affect the way that i was operating my um sound but now i have made sure everything goes through my tv which is probably the sensible approach anyway and means it's more flexible for me Uh, but i know for other people that has caused them problems where they're using the same um little sort of headset and audio for their pc as their xbox and then that's where they're now in a position where they can't have the audio going directly from the xbox into their headset and therefore they can't have the pc attached on another side of uh, you know on the, on the say the usb side of things um so yeah there's definitely some issues with removing the optical cable but but equally for me now I, the system feels much more you know lined up and actually the, the, the right way around um and as for games uh we uh, you know i've tickled around the start of um uh, assassin's creed valhalla we've played a little bit of dirt 5 um and we've played a little bit of backwards compatibility we play games like destiny 2 and i've had a, a sort of quick tickle around um, on, on a forza horizon things like that um and in all cases it feels like a capable and it's, it feels like it's pushing pixels around in a really easy and efficient way um and the uh, assassin's creed valhalla sort of tweaks and shows you what games are going to start looking like and it does look pretty and there's some moments of you know really really good and then there's um dirt 5 which again shows some some moments of prettiness but we've we we touched on earlier that the the online experience was pretty weak source um and and yet to sort of dig into the single player to really have an opinion on that it doesn't feel like their strongest game but nevertheless it's quite interesting to play it so i shall keep persevering on yeah it, feel, um, it feels to me like uh what i would almost class like the traditional launch title that that you as you say there's moments of like wow and then you're like why is there pop-up why why am i in 2020 with the power of this machine got pop-up you know yeah, and, and when you and really, really dig noticeable into pop-up yeah. like like the track not that far away whereas yeah. everything else is loaded i'm seeing this like oh and that just Weird feels bank like appears that or nothing yeah that <laughs> feels like a bug but the yeah. the online bit just feels you know, it feels like an online from 15 years ago. It really does. Doesn't, well, even even like, well, MotoGP nailed it the first ever time, it didn't did. it? So you it can't did. even say that. But yeah, so, it's got a single lobby that you it exists for one, literally one race. And then the lobby disappears. Everyone goes back to matchmaking. And it's just a complete waste of time space for everyone. So yeah. they really need to work out how to and make can, that better. you compare better. it to, you know, we've been doing a bit of Forza on the PC, so Forza 7. And it just, it just, just works really well. You know, Forza Rising works really well. You're, just, you're, you're in a... You're in a, a persistent lobby that people drop in and out of, and you yeah. just play different tracks. It means so we were going into games on on 
on rally with three drivers two us two and one other person having a yeah. having to sit through a race <laughs> yeah. wait till the end and then go and then in another lobby would suddenly have eight or ten people which suddenly felt much more alive and and interesting but each time it just kicked you back to the the, the place and we tried to play their um their second lobby which is um, party games as they call it and it, it never connected to a game we tried three times and it didn't connect so pretty poor on that front it's certainly I think you're right. It's a game that feels like it was um, launched to date rather than to uh, to a specification. Um, but on the other side of things, Valhalla feels like a very strong game. It feels very much more like um, a Red Dead Redemption style game of exploration and RPG and that kind of story driven as compared to other Assassin's Creed, which, you know, were more, they were adventuring, but they didn't have the kind of, I think the defined focus at the moment of Valhalla is pushing you down a story that actually is quite intriguing to listen and watch and be part of. Um, and again, it's very pretty. And that's certainly one that I will pick up around Christmas. Um, I, I just think with the, you know, the content I've got and games I've got kicking around just now, I just like, I don't want to pick up something else because um, yep. there's a PlayStation coming next week as well. So. As I say, it's not long till yours arrives, I guess. <laughs> Uh, well, I've got the headset. So the headset arrived two days ago, and um, so th- yeah, this coming Thursday is um, is PlayStation launch day in the UK. So yeah, it'll be, it'll make be, some be, room. <laughs> exactly, because it's, it's it's bigger. It's a big, ugly looking thing. I've got to buy. I do not like the look of it at all. Where the um, um where the Xbox is very much a kind of micro micro tower case, if you like. It's a yeah. micro micro PC. The 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 PlayStation Three more sort of PlayStation Five more resembles a tower PC that they've tried to make look a bit pointy and angular. <laughs> you know, so, you know so, with these curves so and whatever. Yeah, so I look at it as like a, um, like a thin a thin PC tower and they've wrapped a couple of bits of white plastic around it to try and curve it and hide it. I just think it looks ugly. It looks like a crap rear. Um, People have said when they see it in the flesh, it looks better than they maybe expect it to. Yeah. Um, but nevertheless, it's not going to sit... It, it, even laid down it's going to be quite a, a block underneath your tv and stood up it certainly needs some airspace <laughs> so, I, so i was going to have it so i've got the xbox stood up and i was going to have it stood up next to it i may actually put it underneath because it, it'll probably take up you know it just depends on how all the heating works and stuff they're saying it works fine the, it's going to be about the size of an old vhs isn't it that that, yeah, that kind yeah. of size of machine the, yeah. the old and only, the only thing i've went down i went down the digital only route because i just like i don't need um, I don't need another disc drive. Um, you know, the, the Xbox has got one. I've already got a 4K Blu-ray player. I do not need another 4K player. Yeah. Um, so it just felt like, well, I could go digital, even though it's a tiny hard drive on it. Um, it's I can go I can go digital. So overall, you know, so far I've been really impressed with the the Series X. You know, just just to yeah. kind of close that out of um, the other bit of investment I did around Prime Day was I picked up a two terabyte SSD, which I've plugged in. Um, and again, just just for storage, what works really well, you know. So games yeah. launching, it's certainly the I'm saying legacy type games. You know, yeah, so. you can only run old games on the external yeah. hard drive, but they should still work just fine. And and they're, they're launching pretty much the same time, you know. So Sea of Thieves and, and Forza are all launching, you know, equivalent times. It'll be so I'm trying to keep the 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 internal drive for those you know like Valhalla will be one of them and mm-hmm. you know Dirt will be one of them where it's like they should benefit from being on those drives, um, but yeah it's uh, I'm I'm really pleased with the purchase got to be honest it's a a real step change in what what we had and it even just you know and I know somebody was sitting there saying it's just an SSD it, it's more than that and I think just all it's that definitely more the, yeah. some of the parts are definitely bigger than that 
Uh, yeah, and and I just you know as I said I like the design of it, and I think you know really successful launch. Just a shame that there was you know see if there was a Halo sitting there, I think we would have been super excited. I think we would have and been actually, loving this. Had they been a Halo, I think they may well have pushed the price up to five hundred, maybe even five hundred and fifty. And so in some ways, I think that delay meant that they had to shoot super low, and and that's why I don't feel you know it doesn't feel like the the big event that previous console launches have been. But then again. they've said over you know onwards and previously that they it won't feel like that anymore it's always about incremental change and there will be a new version of it that you know that will happen and over time that'll just happen and release more regularly potentially as well one really anal shout out i love the packaging so the packaging that that came in was really good Um, and even things like all the the bits that were taped down they had the easy lift labels on it and and it was like the attention to detail was there for me it was like somebody's thought about this and designed it well, even those easy lift labels, they didn't start tearing away the box as well. You know how sometimes nope. you, even when you've got a little tab you can pull, it starts tearing yep. all the cover off the box. And it was, so, so yeah, no, it, it did feel good and solid, yeah. You know, it was a real premium, you know, well thought out. And, and as I said, it feels like everything's been really well thought out and launched really well. And the disappointing bit has just been that. And, and again, it, I noticed it was so, so Sony and Microsoft have both done articles all around delivering consoles in a pandemic world. And it feels like the biggest thing that's been impacted has been the software, so the games. Yeah. That's been the, the biggest thing because hardware's been locked in for a while, you know, and it's really been, you know, trying to keep marketing teams going and all that. And that that is something that you can do from anywhere. But if you look at the grunt that these developers need to develop games, that's hard to offsite and do securely. And there has been impact around. Not only that, you know, the environment of an office, where, especially where the game manif- in the game world, where they have crunch periods, right? Where the, yep. everyone comes in, they order pizza, they yeah, yeah, we're yeah. in this together, right? Yep. We're doing the okay. This is tough, but we know we're going to get to launch and it's going to be fine. Doing that isolated in your own home is not going to have the same effect and therefore you are not going to get the same productivity uh, in those crunch situations however overall maybe the productivity will will increase uh, that's something that we won't probably know the analysis of for quite no. a few months no but i think it's like the way the way pandemic hit this year definitely has impacted i, I don't think that's the real reason halo didn't come out you know no. and, and even there's still rumors that they might launch multiplayer next year you know it's it's like they believe they've got multiplayer in a place where they could launch it but not not the story in single and that would tie up with you know you know game directors and you know story leads leaving, leaving. And, and, and and those were rumours that came out a long time ago. People, did, yeah. you know, did, poo-pooed them initially, but as time have moved on, it's become more and more likely that sounds real. So, yeah, so yeah really, really positive. And again, I think the other, the other bit just to emphasise is the whole, see that whole Game Pass experience now? Yeah. Is, is, it, it makes it really quite, it's almost a, I still think there's a story to tell around Xbox Live and Game Pass. There'll be something will happen around that where that, Emerges. It just feels uh, something. Yeah, I, I think as I read a stat, and I can't, I can't remember the exact percentage, but I'm just thinking it was like over fifty percent of people who own the new console have a Game Pass or Game Pass Home subscription. So it is a massive thing, and that and it sort of crept in on us, and it kind of is a it's a thing now. It's actually as important as the console. In fact, probably more so. So that is your Netflix subscription, effectively. And, and the fact that they've rolled EA Play into it this week, oh, it's know, just, that, yeah, you know, unlocks that, amazing games again. That you, you know, it's like you know, and I know you're not into FIFA, but if you if we if we ever you know Chinese bungee into play, you know playing, play, <laughs> it's not going to happen. You know, but but it's like you know, you've got last year's you know FIFA, Madden, you know, hockey, um. You've got golf sitting there, so you've got all your main sports covered, and then you're into 
Um, you've got the latest burnouts are in there, I think now. You've got the last year's Jedi game that came out, which was really good. You know, is is there for free as part of Game Pass? Yeah. I know it's not yeah. free, but you know what I mean. It's like just the content offering is just it's just boggling. And it's still getting better. And I, that's the only thing I worry about is you know as long as they can continue that process and and it still becomes relevant rather than chopping down and and hiding other things away and and maybe in-app purchases are going to take away from that uh, one thing i did notice and that's worth mentioning before we cut off is um the in the marketplace on xbox it was not possible to buy in so on your console the standard version of dirt 5 and the standard version of assassin's creed through their xbox marketplace i don't know whether it was an oversight a timing thing or but but the only place you could buy that you had to buy the bundles, which included game passes. Uh, sorry, the the kind of seasons pass and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and they they starting at eighty ninety quid for those games. Um, and so the only place I could go and get those standard games was using the Xbox Marketplace on my browser at the time. So I don't know whether that's fixed now or whether that was a time limited thing. But nevertheless, it was. It felt a bit jaded that that's it they're hiding that away because they don't want me to just to buy the, the standard game so that's why i'd i asked you did you buy the like the kind of year pass subscription round mm-hmm. dirt because the, the the one that was main advertised was definitely the one at 80 quid or 70 yeah. quid or whatever it was and i was like i ain't i ain't paying that um but i didn't buy it through the browser i just searched for dirt five and it showed me the two options it wasn't there for me yeah. before, so it was only the bundles that were available. I got mine the day I saw my 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 Amazon was what my purchase my delivery was one day late, so maybe it was just a first day, you know, something not quite right. But certainly the one they were promoting was the one that, that included everything, and it was all. Yeah. And they didn't say it was no obvious bit that said. And by the way, here's other versions of this. Whereas when I bought the cheaper one, it told me about other versions that were yes. available. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so like, no, I did a search and a full-on thing. So it sounds like that was just a temporary day one thing. Which yeah, but it's a bit of shading Yeah, definitely. Yeah, a bit of shading Especially, the bit, and that's the thing. So the, something just to bear in mind, if you're thinking about you know picking these up, good luck because stock's an issue. Um, but certainly all the games are basically £10 higher. Yeah, we are. You know, everything, so everything. I mean, digital's always been that more expensive than going but, to buy. But this the, generation the is, is now stepped up. And, yeah, and, and, and again, rumours came out that Sony were looking at 20 quid higher. Yeah, so, you are uh, going to be paying more for your games, but then if you a good game, it's worth it because of the amount of time you spend. You know, time per cost per minute is low, but nevertheless, if it's a bad game, then that that stings more. Right, I think we'll call it there. We've we've chatted for far too long, but nevertheless, um, we'll call it there and and say, you know, if you want to find more about us, what we do, digitaloutbox.com. Info at digitaloutbox.com is our email address and Twitter. We are digitaloutbox. I'm on Twitter as cheesy UK and Ian. Um, uh, com, and I'm just, I'm just going through my head I think it's a half hour per week so because it's three weeks since the last <laughs> that's podcast right, that's, yeah. that's, that's our it's metric. our own fault <laughs> it's our own fault uh, yep so thanks very much for getting this far if you did and we will speak to you again in well who knows two three weeks well we're getting to that bit of the year actually where, it, where we usually spin it out you know, but we want to do... talk about PlayStation, so I imagine. So what we do with PlayStation? We want to cover off Apple stuff, probably again. And also, I'm getting um in the next couple of weeks, I'll be getting a little HomePod money. So there's a couple of other. The, I, honestly, I thought October was ridiculous for 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 things. November is 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 a joke. Um, because yeah. not even mentioned the iPhone I've got. It's, I see the amount of gadgetry that I've brought in this house this year <laughs> is absolutely phenomenal. So, so okay, yeah. So it'll probably be yeah in the next few weeks, but two, two so, three weeks. We'll and maybe the last, of, maybe the last of the year. Ooh, exciting.
See you or then. Not. I'm not sure if that's exciting or not. <laughs> See you <laughs> <next> <laughs> <week soon. laughs> Bye-bye. Bye.